Welcome to Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national stories focusing on news, politics, and current events. Now, the latest edition of Update One. This is Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club. I'm Molly McCluskey. My guest today is Michael Yesis, journalist, editor, co-founder of World Tom, and now, most recently, the newsletter This Week in Podcasts. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. One of the questions I get asked a lot from journalist members of the National Press Club is how to start a newsletter, why they should start a newsletter, and if it's worth the time and investment that it takes to put one of these things out into the world. You recently started This Week in Podcasts, a newsletter summarizing some of your favorite podcasts. Can you tell us a little bit about this project? Sure, yeah, I started it in February, and I've been a podcast fan for a long time before that, for years. And you know, one of the problems with podcasts I found is like trying to discover the podcasts that work for you, right? There's just so many podcasts out there. So what I wanted to do with the newsletter, I wanted to do three things. <laughs> I wanted to organize my own sort of podcast listening and see if I could take what I've been learning and share it with people. Number two of that is I could help people discover their own podcasts. And three is because the podcast world is so vast, yeah, it's not like print where you can skim it. You have to kind of listen to it. So it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on. So what I try to do was listening to a lot of podcasts. I've been following a lot of podcasts. So I try and sort of make each week in podcasts skimmable. Let people know what the new podcasts are for the week. I highlight all of kind of the notable guests from podcasts across, you know, across from politics to sports, you know, to the true crime, whatever's going on. So instead of people trying to find their way into a podcast through the genre, they'll find it through the person that they like. I do a section where I, I call it Go Deep, where one of my favorite things about podcasts is there are a lot of serialized podcasts. There are a lot where people go really into the minutia of a topic. So I try and highlight that as well. And then overall, I just kind of highlight some of the interesting and I think funny or creative things that people are saying on podcasts, and I like to highlight those. And it's a really fun newsletter. I don't always get it in my inbox, but I definitely make sure that I, because I follow you on Twitter, I see it when you post, I see it on LinkedIn, and I take a moment and look at it that way. So one of the questions I always get, and one of the things I really struggle with with my newsletter, Diplomatica, is just how much time it takes to put one of these things together. Mine is pretty research heavy. I know you just mentioned how podcasts aren't really skimmable. Each one is really a bit of a commitment. What's the time frame for you to put one of these newsletters together? How much research, how much time building it, and audience development do you spend? Yeah, so one of the the beauties, I think, of what I'm doing is is I was listening to podcasts anyway. I was listening to a a lot of them. So I kind of don't really count that as extra time. That's something I would do no matter what. If I'm on the metro, I'm listening. If I'm, you know, going and exercising, I'm listening. I'd say, like, the listening, it ranges by week. So it's like five hours, 10 hours, 15 hours a week. I'm one of those people who actually speeds up my podcast, so I squeeze in a little bit more. Are you um, at two x or four x or eight x? I'm I'm a one point five x. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I go back down to one for anything that's music related. And then beyond that, I find it takes me about four to six hours a week, and I break it up. I like I the way I, I started on Monday night. I kind of go through the podcast. I spend like a half hour Monday night. I spend a half hour Tuesday night. You know, Wednesday, if, if I can't do it a night, I'll skip it and I'll maybe make it up the night. So it's like over the course of, you know, the first four days of the work week, 
It's fine. And then on, on Friday mornings, I'll spend a few hours kind of putting it all together, writing it, you know, building it and building the links can be so, so I'd say it's like four to six hours out of my week. And which platform do you use to send your newsletter out? I'm using MailChimp. See, that's the one that I'm using too. How yeah. are you, how are you liking it? I, I should say disclaimer, this is not a paid <laughs> advertisement for MailChimp. They have not given us money to discuss it and we might actually not be super favorable here. So 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 far so good okay. right um i've been exploring other options as well cuz i kind of um you know this is something i didn't do a lot of research on the platform when i went in and i kind of wish i did at the start it's been useful so far but i have a feeling as i grow i'm going to grow out of it i, 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 I find yeah. that as well how yeah. how large is your audience base at this point your subscriber base it's 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 not that large it's growing <laughs> okay that's <laughs> yeah. a diplomatic way i won't <laughs> i won't yeah. push further so and and you know on that front is I'm not too worried right now about how many subscribers I have. So I, I mean, I started it, wasn't something that's taking a lot of time out of out of my week, and I wanted to see, you know, just kind of test and see if it's viable and see what response I've been I would get. And I, I said I was going to do that for a year, right? So it's like I haven't done any marketing, I haven't done anything except word of mouth and like my own social media. Mm-hmm. And so I'm planning on 2019 to start doing more of that, and then that's when I think it's like if I if I you know if I'm not gaining um, readers at, a, at a, an appropriate rate <laughs> that's going to make it worth my time. Yeah, I may pull back. But right now, it's like it's really um, it's something fun. Again, it's not too much time. Well, and that's one of the things, too, that I struggle with where and everyone I've spoken to that does newsletters is facing this problem or this challenge, rather. They started as a labor of love, mm-hmm. right? It sounds like you started because you were listening to podcasts anyway. You really enjoy podcasts. I started Diplomatica as a fun side project because I was interested in these histories of these embassies and residences. And I put a lot of time into thinking about the content and didn't necessarily research all the tools that were available. And I feel like there are so many tools out there that if I had spent a little bit more time up front thinking about the best platform to use or the best way to market it, that might have helped me a little bit as well. I agree. And I don't know if we want to talk about some of the other potential platforms that are out there. And because one I'm investing in is, is something called Substack. Okay, so yes. I just was emailing with Hamish this week at Substack mm-hmm. about learning more about their products. So right. tell me what you know about Substack. So what I know is it's 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 designed for writers. You correct me if, if you if you're getting a, a different vibe or you you know more about this than I do. What they're trying to do is set it up for writers to make an, an easy platform to writers to use, and then they are going to help market the podcast at a certain point. So and then writers can also charge. They're making it easier for you to make money off your newsletter. Well, that's yeah. good because right now I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm relying on donations, which are mostly coming from pitying friends and relatives and the occasional random uh, donation from somebody I've never heard of. And those are always fun, too. I don't know yeah. if you have a donation set up as well. I haven't set up a donation yet. Like, yeah, I'm, I, I could be wrong about this, but I'm just taking I'm, I'm just trying to like organize it, make sure it kind of works for me, seeing where it's going before I start going out for money. I see the newsletter as having a lot of potential, like sort of mini streams of revenue as I go forward. One is kind of asking for donations when I'm moving forward. I also see it as um, I'm building another space for my writing. Like if I I want to write about podcasts, that I can use that to Mm -hmm. pitch stories about podcasts. Um, I could pitch features. I can pitch other newsletters. I I feel like it's just kind of helping my portfolio Mm -hmm. and showing what else I can do. Mm -hmm. And that was important to me at this kind of this point in my career. And I, you know, if, and I, in particular, I did it with podcasts because I see there's a like it's still kind of in its infancy, 
and it's going to be growing. So I see, like, it, it doesn't matter to me right now if I'm making money off it. I, I'm hoping to take a longer look at it in, in two or three years if it's grown enough and podcasting gets bigger, then I can sort of, I'll have an established place yeah. in the ecosystem. That's an incredible position to be in. I, from the first issue, was like, no, no, if you want to give me money, here's the, <laughs> here's the PayPal link to that. It's at the, like the top of every, every issue. And it's interesting. So speaking of newsletters, I also get the Run Gomez California Jobs newsletter, which I think is really well done. I'm from California, and so I kind of stayed on that list. But he has been really good over the last couple of weeks of sending out, you know, an appeal letter because he was doing this, again, kind of just like we were out of he saw a need. He saw a lot of turnover in the journalism community in California. And so he started this newsletter just for friends and family. And it grew and grew and grew and grew to the point where now it costs him money to do it. And so he started sending out appeals and I personally kicked him $15, right? So I, I can imagine if a bunch of us all gave 10 or $15. Yeah. I think it's also interesting to see where the interest is. I think there's a lot of newsletters are not charging a subscription fee. The Daily Chatter, which is Philip Balboni's fabulous uh, daily newsletter, just started asking for like an annual subscription fee of about $15. But they've been running for three years already before they started asking for that. So it seems like the newsletter model has a lot of potential and a lot of benefits and things we enjoy about it. It flexes our creativity. It lets us explore a topic that we want to explore a little bit more in depth. It kind of tests to see if the audience is out there for these topics, yeah. but it's not necessarily a moneymaker. No, no. But one one other of the, the benefits, I think, of, of creating a newsletter, and I think this is really important for journalists who are trying to kind of take a longer view, you know, there's so much churn in, in the media space. You know, like Mike is you know, sold itself for pennies on the dollar, yeah. right? The publication you write for now, it might not be there in six months. Sure. You just don't know. But if you're creating a newsletter, you are owning your audience. So you may have the MailChimp platform, but you're owning that audience. You can download those email addresses. You can carry them with you. To subscribe to an email newsletter is kind of a big thing for people. Everybody has crowded email uh, mailboxes. And if you can get people to, to actually subscribe to the, your newsletter, I think that's a really big thing. It may be slow growth, but these are people who are choosing to have you show up in your mailbox every day or every week or however, whatever frequency you want to send out your newsletter. So what are some of the other newsletters that you get in your inbox? I get, uh, so I, I subscribe to all of the different podcast newsletters that I can. Everything from the Bellow Collective, which is an independent publication about newsletters. Inside.com has a podcast newsletter. There are a lot of sort of indie podcast newsletters. I keep up with... You know, I get some of, you know, being here in D.C., I'll get the political ones. I get the Axios AM newsletter. I subscribe to one that's purely about transportation coverage, some tech ones. Yeah, there's too many. <laughs> well, you, you were just saying about how everybody's inboxes are so cluttered, and I'm listening to that list of things you subscribe to, and I'm like, oh, my God, I couldn't possibly. I would go nuts with everything that you're getting, and let alone all of the work stuff you get and the client stuff and the family stuff. And it sounds like it's – like everybody, you're very typical of what inboxes are looking like these days, right? Yeah. So I find that I have limited my subscriptions to about five – to actually arrive in my inbox and the rest I follow on Twitter. And I actually keep a list on Twitter called Great Newsletters so I can go in and, and check things out. I love the Pulitzer Center's newsletter. I read that all the time, every time it comes out. Solution Set, I don't know if you know, from LensFest in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's Each issue is about an innovative approach a newsroom is taking 
somewhere in the U.S. to combat the same issues that you know Mike faced and Bloomberg is facing and all the different outlets are facing to maintain a viable stream of revenue and readership services, and it's really fascinating. Uh, but those are really the two big ones I get, and obviously, of course, yours uh, and mine. Yes. <laughs> I get Scrap Facts, which is uh, Kathleen Foley. She's another member. She does this really interesting newsletter each week. comes out, I think, on Friday afternoon about... She's a science journalist, and Scrap Facts is just all of the really cool things she couldn't get to report on. So there's, like, really nuanced, tiny, like, interesting scientific facts that she she blows out and, and explores in a big issue. If I'm forgetting somebody, I'm going to get a call when this comes See, I'm, I'm feeling I'm going to be in the same. Like, wait a second, we're going to get a call from MailChimp complaining that we don't like their products. <laughs> but, no, I mean, that's just, that's just life, right? So what advice would you have for people – that are journalists that are thinking about starting a newsletter that aren't really sure if they want to take the leap or if they, you know, are nervous about putting a product with their own name out in the world and not under the banner of a traditional publication, what would you tell them? Just start. Just start. I mean, I'm not saying that just because what I did, because I mean, just taking that first step is the way that you start, right? Because you can always make excuses not to do it. But once you start, you have momentum. Right. And so, you know, your first, my first couple of newsletters I sent to like three people. I like just did a couple of practice ones and like, I didn't even know if I was going to continue doing this. And I sent them out to people to, to like my, my small, my small group of people. And I said, is this working? Can you give me some feedback for the first couple? And then I just kind of went to a, a, like a larger group of friends. And then, you know, once I found, okay, I like doing this, um, I'm getting a good response, you know, from my little group of people that are, are my little uh, group of people who I'm trusting to give me honest feedback. But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't started, right? So yes, just get started. And if you're putting it under, under your own name, I mean, if we're all in, in journalism, we're all writing, we've we've put our, our stuff out there. We're putting ourselves out there all the time. It may feel different because it's coming from you, but it's really not different. You have the skills, you have the, the knowledge of the technology. Just do it. My friend just started a podcast, this absolutely amazing podcast called The Flowdown. Uh, and before it went out into the world, she kind of went through the same thing where just this absolute terror. And she's a professional journalist. It's been her whole career as a writer and editor, she's worked for NPR. But the act of putting the podcast out into the world is was a completely different experience. I felt yeah. something very similar when I was starting the news, my newsletter, where I spoke to a couple people about the concept in this very vague, like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing that's like the hidden histories of embassies. And I know that's something I geek out on, but is that like too nerdy for anybody ever to... And then once people were on board with the concept, then same thing. I had eight people that I sent the first issue to. And I'm like, is this ridiculous or is this actually a thing? I think that small group is really pivotal, right? I yeah. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but especially when I'm very deep into something and I'm completely either absolutely in love with it or hate it. And there's there's issues that I've sent out that I have spent so much time researching and writing that I feel like I can't even see it anymore. And I'm just, it's awful. And I just need to get it off my desk and out yeah. into the world so I don't have to look at it anymore. And those tend to be the ones that my friends like the best. Their input yeah. is much less biased than mine, I think. And I'm curious, so, so from when you started your newsletter to where it is now, how much do you feel it's evolved since your original concept? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, well, the original concept is the same. Uh, the original concept was... Or at least the original presentation and like how you're... So, sure. So the original presentation, I feel like... I, well, so first of all, I really lucked out with the first issue. I mean, completely. The first issue was on the Czech Republic and I met in January the ambassador of the Czech Republic. And I don't know if somebody introduced me as, this is Molly, she's about to start a newsletter on the hidden histories of embassies. They must have because 
nothing makes sense otherwise because I said to him, oh, hi, I'm Molly. Oh, your embassy's up on Tilden, right? And he said, yes, but do you know why it's up on Tilden? We had to move it because we were fleeing like from an espionage case. Wow. And I went, okay, I need all of that right now. (laughs) And the ambassador was so gracious when I finally met with him. He had opened like the Czech foreign files on this spy that I'm not even sure the CIA had. And he had no problem with me recording him. So I had audio clips of him talking about this. That was never part of my original thought, oh, I'll go take some photos. Maybe I'll interview the ambassador. If I'm lucky, I'll get a tour. And then I'll go through the Washington Post archives and Library of Congress archives and Smithsonian archives and go from there. But having that experience really convinced me of the power of doing multimedia, of making it not just a writing piece. And so every piece I do now, I load with photos and historical anecdotes, and I try to always include an audio component whenever I can, and we're also about to start shooting videos for it as well. So it's really started, I wouldn't say the newsletter itself has evolved, but I would think that the concept has evolved from a newsletter into all of the different things we can do with it, which is really exciting. And so like you, I think 2019 is going to be me buckling down and figuring out, all right, what do we what do we do with this thing that we have? Because it's I've been amazed by the response and how many people are subscribing. And I think it was really validating for me when I saw that diplomats were unsubscribing and I was a little, you know, not upset, but disappointed. And then realized it was because they had left their post and moved to a different place and resubscribed with their personal email to make sure that they still got it, which is really kind of cool. So... I think that's how it's continuing to evolve. I've also been more mindful of taking on advisors as I'm moving forward and growing. And like you, you know, looking at MailChimp and wondering, I think I'm probably going to outgrow that pretty soon. And what does it look like when I do? And how do I pay for whatever I'm going to do next? Exactly. I also have it on my list to do soon. I know Google has a ton of small business tools that I feel like if I can get my handle on what those are, they'd be really helpful. I just haven't sat down and learned them yet. Exactly. So... So any last thoughts for your fellow journalists or members who might want to kind of take this leap, aside from just do it, which I tend to echo? Yeah, I think that maybe two things on this. One is when you're picking a topic, and and I fear that maybe I could have been more narrow in my focus. I could have picked more of like a a certain genre of of podcast. I picked a, a wide range um, because my tastes, I feel, were, were wide-ranging. But if I were thinking now, I might do it more narrow. And I think, like, on, on your your topic, you were wondering, is there an interest in this? And I think, you know, it's it's the Internet. You're going to find the more focused you can be, the more passionate response you might get from, from readers. What I really want to reach out to as listeners, one of my goals with the newsletter is to engage people who've never even, like, heard of a podcast or listened to a podcast at this point. These are people who I don't even know how to listen to a podcast. So I'm trying to reach people who are bring people into podcasting, reach listeners, give them a little show around what's what kind of podcast they can listen to, and then hopefully bring them in so they'll come to my newsletter every week and they can go through it. And that'll be sort of the prism through which they could find material to listen to. So how do they subscribe to your newsletter? How can people find you? You can go through my, I I set up a website to go with it. It's weekinpodcasts.com. And you go on there. I have all of the archives of I'm not caught up yet, but I have the archives of my newsletters and I have a page there where you can subscribe and it also gives you a little bit more about me and it tells you a little bit more about what you'll get in the in the newsletter every week. 
Wonderful. And everybody, I would highly recommend you check it out. It's a really interesting resource and a fun read, as always. Thanks so much for joining us today and listening to our podcast about newsletters with my guest who writes a newsletter about podcasts. Michael Yeses, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Molly McCluskey, and this was Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club. been listening to Update One, a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Committee. You can comment on this show or any episode of Update One by going to facebook.com slash pressclubdc or on Twitter at pressclubdc. Thanks for listening to Update One.